2: This podcast episode may have ads and the occasional announcement. To listen with our ads or announcements and take advantage of a host of other benefits, consider becoming a premium subscriber. Prices start at $9 per month. Visit the website contrarian.supercast.tech. That's T-E-C-H for more information. Now, here's your host, Mr. Nathaniel E. Baker.
0: This podcast episode was recorded on Thursday, May 26th and released to premium subscribers that same day. There are a host of benefits that come with being a premium subscriber, not least of all the fact that you get these episodes several days earlier and without any ads or annoying announcements. There is also the Daily Contrarian briefing and podcast that you will receive each market day morning by 7 a.m., giving you a lowdown on what is likely to move the markets in the day ahead. And there are many other benefits that come with being a premium member. So sign up today. You can do so at the website mentioned at the outset, contrarian.supercast.com. Or if you are on Substack or have the Substack app, it makes sense to go to contrarianpod.substack.com and sign up there. Prices are not quite as cheap as they were when my colleague recorded the intro, but they are still quite affordable. And if you sign up for the year, you get a discount. So do so now, contrarian.supercast.com or contrarianpod.substack.com. See you there. Now, here is today's episode. Enjoy. Aisha Tariq of Keystone Consulting in Dubai, thank you so much for joining the Contrarian Investor Podcast today. We have been trying to do this for some time, and I am very happy that we're now finally able to do this because you have some contrarian views here on markets and on the economy. And to quickly kind of introduce them, there has been some talk now resurfacing about a Fed pivot, or at least this idea that the Fed will not be able to raise interest rates very much longer, that there's too much pressure from the markets. But you're not buying that. In fact, you see a continued bear market here as we record this on what they say, Thursday, May 26th, 2022. And in addition, you are not completely buying this rally in commodity prices either. Are you saying there's no super cycle for commodities coming? So that's a whole bunch of uh contrarian ideas I just threw out there. So star whichever one you like, maybe give us a background on on how you came to one of these views and we'll take it from there.
1: Sure. Um, So what we're seeing right now, at least this is, Everything that I'm saying is all in my view, of course. So what we're seeing right now is a triple bear market, right? So we have a bear market in cash, um, we have a bear market in bonds, and we have a bear market in stocks, right? Well, technical bear market in stocks because the NASDAQ is falling below. Yeah, Yeah, but the SPX, I think we're still far away, a, a little far away. But in general, we know which way it's going, right? And most people seem to think that, uh, you know, the Fed will not raise rates uh, to break, you know, the markets or there may be some kind of a pivot or what what was before a Fed put or a Powell put, right? So we reach a level and, um, you know, they stop raising rates and they go back. And this all comes from the fact that we've seen this play out before. Right. So in 2017, 2018, 2019, when, you know, the Fed started raising rates, they had to stop at some point and they had to reverse course. And it wasn't just about reversing course on um, rate increases, but as well, the tightening of liquidity, which is quantitative tightening, if you'd like. But. At this stage, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I mean, I know there's a lot of. Talk about, you know, um, he's not, and when I say he, I mean, JPL, the Fed chair will not go all the way to, you know, raising rates to a level where it's going to break the economy and it's going to break the market. But the thing is, the state of the economy right now is not what it was in 2018 or 2019. For the simple fact that at that point, inflation was really, really low. And inflation is a bigger killer than most other issues in the economy. It's worse than raising rates. It's worse. So he has no choice or they have no choice. They have to raise rates and they have to tighten because um, the amount of liquidity we're seeing in the market right now It's fueling asset bubbles. It's fueling price increases. It's fueling all sorts of speculative assets. And this can't go on forever. I mean, the debt to GDP right now is enormous. And all of this comes from the same source. So something has to be done, right? Um, And Powell has always been seen, seen as a little dovish or a little hesitant. But I think things have changed now. I, I I don't think he necessarily holds that view. Mm. He realizes that part of the reason that we're looking at a high level of inflation and possibly even stagflation with uh, economic growth slowing, GDP growth slowing is their fault, mm. and they know it. okay? He might not say it as much. Well, he is saying that inflation is no longer transitory at least he's made that very clear, yeah. but he also realizes that all of this has been created in part because of them. Sure, it was also because of the fiscal stimulus and you know the packages which had to be done to a certain extent, perhaps uh, more than required, but it had to be done. But now they find themselves in a pickle and the way inflation has increased Um, I'm not sure if you um, listened in on some of the conference calls this quarter from uh, the retailers and various other uh, companies reporting. But one of the things that most of the companies have been saying is the rate of change of inflation. Mm. So everybody was poised for inflation with the supply chain issues and um, the general level of price increases. I mean, this is something that people probably expected to a certain extent. But what was unexpected was the rate at which inflation increased. It was so fast in such a short period of time. And this is what is killing most of the companies in terms of margins, in terms of wages, in terms of cost and the Fed knows this and they have to get it under control.
0: Yeah, what do you you make of the argument that inflation has peaked? Because if you look at the CPI and the PCE, the Fed's preferred gauge, both of these have kind of, I mean, it's not by much, but they have kind of crested, right? And second of all, you have the low base effects, right? If you look at a year over year, You know, back in 2021, early 2021, we didn't have much inflation at all. So the year over year was going to be huge. But now as we move on into 2022, the year over year comp just isn't that, or it's much higher. So the difference isn't as big. So you have the base effect rolling in. What do you make of all that argument?
1: So the thing is, yes, um, we did see the numbers come down ever so slightly. And perhaps it has peaked. But how fast will it go down? This is something that we need to consider. I mean, the amount of liquidity that uh, was in the system, if you try to rein it in at the same speed, we might not get the same effect, right? So um, the way inflation went up, it might not come down at the same speed. And I don't think the Fed will stop until they see inflation somewhere around the two and a half, maybe 3% level. Their long-term target inflation rate is 2%. And I understand that that's like a far, far away, you know, target and all of that. But I think they'll want to tighten until we reach at least least 3%. Because otherwise, (laughs) this economy will be eroded. Yeah. So but you
0: also do have some slowing demand. What, what would that, that would also kind of lower the inflationary pressures, wouldn't it?
1: Of course. No, of course. I mean, part of the reason that they are doing all of this is to destroy demand, yeah, right? Yeah. To bring the level of demand down. And I think another thing that will happen due to rate increases is unemployment. Mm. So uh, I think unemployment is going to go up for sure. Uh, Right now, what we're looking at is sort of a wage spiral playing out. Um, So this will sort of keep the inflation level slightly higher than expected. So what will happen is, um, you know, people will try to keep up with the general level of inflation. They will want more wages. They will want to be paid more. And this, in turn, will create a spiral which will keep inflation sticky to the upside. Mm-hmm. Which is why I say that it will come down, but it will probably not come down at the same speed mm. as it went up, right? Yeah. So as a result of which, the only way for companies then to control costs is to lay off people. Mm. I mean, we're already seeing this play out. Mm. Uh, a lot of the large companies have already said that they're going to stop hiring. Mm. Some have said that they're going to start layoffs, smaller ones, but I think it's only a matter of time Mm -hmm. until we see uh, more layoffs and unemployment rising.
0: Yeah. I mean, employment still looks pretty good, uh, but when do you see that rolling over?
1: uh, I think employment looks great right now. I mean, this level, 3.6%, this is amazing. It's much lower than, um, you know, it's been in a very, very long time, but I think we start to see it rise progressively in the next couple of months. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that the Fed will stop because employment increases. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. one of the things that they, they've always said is that they have like two goals, right? One is inflation and one is yeah. employment. Um, and they'd want to keep the unemployment level low and everybody thinks that yes, that you know, if unemployment starts to increase, the Fed will stop. I don't think so. Yeah. I think they are able to uh, take on a much higher level of unemployment. So if you look at the time, I mean, if you look back to the 1970s or late 70s, early 80s, the unemployment levels went all the way up to 7, 8 percent. And the Fed was OK with that. They mm-hmm. still increased rates at, you know, m- massive levels, all, all because they needed to control an- inflation because right. The level of inflation is much more alarming, much more challenging than unemployment.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, now let's uh, now let's talk about how this plays out in asset markets because um, we've seen here now that I mean, basically, we've had a bear market at plus for tech stocks. I mean, some of these tech stocks are eighty percent off their highs. Yes. Now, just recently, one could perhaps make the argument, and I have in the morning briefing, if you've listened to it, that maybe sentiment has, not that sentiment has turned, but that sentiment has gotten bearish to the point where it it means that it's about to turn. And the markets now, what we've seen this week, very small sample size, admittedly, but we are seeing a bit of a recovery here in stocks, um, at least for this week. And some people saying that this has been the bottom, I take it you don't buy that.
1: See, uh, first of all, I'm not sure why everybody's so concerned about putting in a bottom. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of talk around that, I understand. But um, look, we, we need to stop looking for it. Um, I, I don't think that we find a bottom just yet. I think this bear market plays out for a while. Um, we might not have a very deep bear market, but I think we'll have a more prolonged bear market. And this will go hand in hand with the rate increases and QT, which is still about to begin. I mean, we're seeing all this erosion in price even before liquidity is meaningfully pulled from the economy. So imagine what happens when it starts to get pulled. And Mm -hmm. this is not even close to what happened in 2018. I mean, the the QT or the level of QT that they are proposing. right? So, no, I don't think that we are done yet. We may not go much further down, but I think we will stay in a bear market for a while. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However you want to describe the bear market, but I think prices will remain depressed for some time yet.
0: Mm -hmm. Fair enough. And now commodities, um, what's your view on that? I guess it's it's further with demand because... We, I mean, we, you know, we do have uh, structural issues there, the whole Russia supply uh, coming offline. And uh, yeah, what do you make of all that?
1: Sure. So I think for commodities, the structural issue goes back much further than anything that's happened this year. I mm-hmm. mean, if you look back to the last uh, maybe five years, 10 years, you'll notice that there's been underinvestment in commodities for at least a decade now, mm-hmm. at least. Okay, And this is not just in oil and gas, but as well in, you know, softs, in precious metals, in various uh, base metals even. And uh, all this money has actually gone towards technology. And it's only when we hit the supply chain issues and um, that we realized that, oh, we haven't actually been investing enough in say for example semiconductors in you know oil refineries and you know gold mining and so on and so forth so it's sort of all come to a head now but this underinvestment has been going on for quite a long time so Given the supply chain issues, given your um, what's happening in the markets, sorry, what's happening in Europe with Russia and all of this, this is all just, you know, exacerbated the situation, mm-hmm. for which reason prices have just soared. And part of this is demand, yes, but part of it is also supply side issues, as we're seeing. And... Um, I think prices continue to remain high for a while, so that could actually be um, a good place for us to park our money for a while if you're talking about investments. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't see... um, a super cycle per se. So when we talk about a super cycle, we're saying that you know prices remain extremely elevated for the next for a decade. So we're only seeing prices go up for maybe the last two years, right? So we still have eight more years, seven, eight more years to go, let's say. Do we see prices stay at this level for seven, eight years? I, I don't think so. I, I think they will start to roll over, I think they will start to come down and ease. But the fundamental issue of underinvestment will still stay. And I think there's something that we need to do about that as well. But in general, I don't think um, we will have a super cycle per se. I think we're we're just going to forget about all of this all over again in the next two to three years and we come down again.
0: Is that also due to demand though? I mean, you have China kind of slowing now or certainly not buying as much raw materials as they were for the previous bull market, right?
1: So I I think the China situation, again, is very temporary. Um, Okay. And it's fueled mostly by the COVID situation. Um, Their housing market was in trouble. So it's factors in their economy, sure. But I still think it's somewhat temporary when you're talking about the demand side. Mm -hmm. They still have a huge population. They are still sort of the manufacturing hub of the world, and they will continue to consume. Um, so I do think that demand will go back to you know previous levels. It may take a little bit of time, but it will go back to previous levels. So in terms of demand coming out of China, I think we will see pre- previous levels, but I don't think that will be enough to keep prices at
0: you know, super cycle elevated levels, let's say. -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool. Aisha Tariq, very interesting conversation so far. I want to come back and ask you some more about yourself and drill down a little bit, if you'll pardon the pun, seeing how we just spoke about commodities, into (laughs) your views and how these translate into where investors should put their money now. So we're going to do that in a minute. When we come back, if you are a premium subscriber, Don't go anywhere. Don't touch the dial. We'll be right back. In fact, we already are. For everybody else, if you want to become a premium subscriber, visit the website contrarianpod.substack.com and sign up.
2: We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Contrarian Investor Podcast, where we give voice to those who challenge a prevailing narrative in global financial markets consider becoming a premium subscriber for $9 a month or less. Premium subscribers receive a number of benefits. Podcasts are posted immediately after they're recorded. Transcripts are made available within 24 hours. Premium subscribers get direct access to the host and access to private channels on our discord server. They also get generous discounts to our virtual conferences and other services. And of course there are no ads or interruptions. Visit contrarian.supercast.tech for more information. That's contrarian.supercast.tech.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Aisha Tariq, Keystone Consulting in Dubai. Uh, great having you on. Uh, Aisha, this is the segment of the show where we ask our guests to tell us a little bit more about themselves and how they got into this stage of their career. And I know that Keystone Consulting is your firm. Uh, So, yeah, curious how you you came about this um, and, and, uh, yeah.
1: Sure. Um, It's a very uh, simple story, actually. I've been a corporate banker for most of my life. I started out in corporate banking, uh, mainly because it was one of the best jobs out there uh, at the time. So uh, I started with Standard Chartered Bank and then I moved to the UAE um, two years into my career. Been working in corporate banking ever since, so worked with, you know, governments, large corporates, large companies. And then for a while, I moved uh, to a family office where I was their group treasurer, if you'd like, and I managed their um, real estate investments, hospitality, listed equities and uh, private equity as well. Hmm. Spent a bit of time there, made a lot of contacts, and then I decided I wanted to do something on my own. So I started my own company, consulting with family offices, with banks, with various other counterparties. What I basically do is I help them raise debt, structure their debt, restructure their balance sheets, review their investments, acquisitions, um, more of that. And um, so over the last two years, I think once COVID started, you know, business started to weighing a little as usual and you know i started getting onto twitter and looking hmm. at you know trading and it was like a beautiful bull market <laughs> and yeah well why not yeah so i started getting more and more involved with trading and you know uh writing and you know writing has always been my passion so i have a sub stack as well i should start yeah substack.com if you'd like to uh, visit yeah. and um, yeah so and here we are now
0: cool um that's really interesting okay so now as far as as uh, markets are concerned
2: sick of me yet become a premium subscriber and avoid all ads or interruptions other benefits as well visit contrarian dot supercast dot tech for more information
0: yeah we've talked about a bunch of concerns you have with the economy And with various asset classes, which doesn't leave much room for where people should go. So what should people do, in your opinion, seeing as this is not actual investment advice, this is just your opinion?
1: So, look, I think what I see most or what I hear most is that this is a trader's market. Mm. Uh, People tend to trade whatever is in front of them, whatever the charts are telling them, whatever you know the sector rotations are and things like that. So I am somewhere in between. I do like my fundamental investments and looking at companies' balance sheets, uh, you know, income statements, and all of that. But I also look at um, taking shorter-term positions. So I do short, as in short stocks, and um, I also you know, look at um, indexes and various other things. But if you're looking for um, long-term, longer-term investments, my view would be, uh, you know, you could buy companies right now, but I think it would be a better bet to buy some of the stronger companies. So I would say Apple, Microsoft, Google, um Having said that, I don't think that we're done with prices coming Mm -hmm. down. So if you're okay with uh, averaging uh, somewhat, then that's a good bet. Um, I also think healthcare is one area which is something that could be of interest. Uh, Also, again, some of the larger healthcare companies, not biotech. I would stay away from speculative assets completely. I would stay away from what they call, you know, high beta assets, which, you know, don't have a lot of cash flows, uh, growth assets. There are certain, I would say, second tier growth companies that aren't so bad. So, for Mm. example, if you look at Snowflake, if you look at Shopify, some of these companies do have um, a future and the prices have come down a lot, but I would still uh, say be careful if you're taking positions even for the long term I would say take smaller positions so that you can average out mm. if need be mm. and if you are in the red you're not too much in the red because yeah. your position sizes are smaller I would say diversify and for now um, I would also say real estate is a good mm. bet okay energy plays maybe although they have run quite a bit there are a few energy companies that you could possibly look at but i i do like reits a lot and i know this is really funny because reits have come down a lot and mm. you know the housing market is in trouble you saw the housing yeah. uh, stats this morning as well i saw your um, mm-hmm. email so but i would say commercial real estate and uh, warehousing industrial real estate we still have some hope over there And the reason being, they are uh, dividend-paying companies, number one. Number Mm -hmm. two, they can actually increase rentals. So during the pandemic, what happened was many of these real estate companies, they actually had to reduce rentals, give rental holidays. So they are way below the market. So over the course of the next couple of months i think they will start to come back to you know market levels as the economy starts to open even though we're going through a difficult period of time i still think that they would be able to increase their um, revenues by increasing their rentals so that's i think real estate is a good bet if you look at some of the larger players in the market
0: don't you think that the commercial real estate has more secular problems with the uh, office space being less in demand with the whole work from home thing?
1: So, look, I think work from home was a phase. Mm. Um, I, I don't think that this will continue as much as we would like for it to continue. I do think that 80% of the workforce will go back to work.
0: Hmm. Like well, that's in a contrarian offices. view also. You think so? Okay. Even though yes. they don't need to and even though companies have been printing record profits with people working remotely?
1: I mean, look, I'll, being a banker, I know it doesn't work when you work from home. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we made it work because we have to, Yeah. okay? Right. But who who were the first companies to ask com- people to come back? Banks. The banks, yeah. And don't forget, even Google said the same. Apple said the same. Mm. I mean, if you're thinking about super connected technology companies, even they want their people to come back. Mm -hmm. So we've worked in a certain way for decades, centuries. I mean, it's not going to change very Mm -hmm. much. And I don't think that people were as productive as you'd like to think during the pandemic. I think a lot of the excuses have to do with, you know, getting sick and all of that, which I understand. But At the same time, I don't think you can have the same level of productivity that you could have in an office. Mm, mm. And there is also the thing of connectivity. So, you know, the social element of being at work and being face to face and, you know, meeting people and all of that. So I do think it might take a little bit of time, but I think people will get back to offices. However, I do think they might have flexible hours and more flexible working arrangements where mm-hmm. people can maybe work from home one or two days a week or, you know, part of the time. Mm-hmm. But we're going back to offices for mm-hmm. sure.
0: Mm-hmm. And you you guys have, have started to as well? You're, you're-
1: oh, yes. I mean, mm-hmm. the UAE actually has been back to normal for almost over a year now.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Whereas here in New York, it's basically just starting (laughs) but yeah cool and a a lot of people aren't but yeah awesome very cool all right Aisha thank you so much for coming on the Contrarian Investor podcast today maybe in closing uh you can tell people how they can find out more about you I will put this in the show notes as well I mentioned you're active on Twitter so yeah how do we find you there
1: sure uh so my Twitter handle is my first name and my last name Aisha Tariq and um yeah, my Substack is the same as well, com. You can hmm. find me at Stock as well, same handle, Ashadharic. So I think if you go to my Twitter, you'll find all my links.
0: So Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, check it out. I, I really like uh, reading your Substack as well. I find that very insightful. You. And your tweets, of course, as well. Great. So thanks so much for coming on. Thank you all for listening. And we look forward to speaking to you again next time.
2: Thank you for listening to the Contrarian Investor podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To subscribe to this podcast, simply open your favorite podcast software and search for Contrarian Investor. Follow us on social media by searching for Contrarian Investor on Twitter and Instagram. Send us your thoughts on feedback at contrarianpod.com. We look forward to speaking to you again next time.